The spirit of performance is what defines Acura. And now, it's electric. Introducing the ZDX, Acura's most powerful SUV yet. Crafted using the same formula that brought them electrified supercars and multiple IMSA championships, the ZDX has track-tested performance that packs an energy all its own. Unlock the energy and order yours at Acura.com. And that is launched out to deep left field. Big fly for Mike Trout. This is ground ball to second base. Red Heifel falls down, picks it up, fires the first. The Angels have no hit. The Seattle Mariners. It's gone. Big fly for Anthony Rendon. Hey guys, I'm Alex Curry. This is Joe Adele here with the Los Angeles Angels. Brandon Marsh. This is Chris Rodriguez. You're listening to the All Angels Podcast. And welcome to another edition of the All Angels Podcast. I am, of course, Dan Garcia, joined once again by Mike Brown. Mike, how are you doing today? Hey, Dan. I'm doing well. Glad to uh, glad to be back. So we're going to review. There's a bunch of stuff we're going to talk about, so we're going to get right to it. Obviously, the, the two-game series with the Giants, a quick two-game series. Uh, another chapter in the Sticky Stuff book, if you will, um, that's been coming out the last couple of days. And then obviously, too, uh, surprisingly, I guess, surprising to me, I didn't know they were coming out today, but the jersey and all-star hat have dropped for this year's um, all-star game at the, was it the, pretty much the middle of uh, July. So a little bit less than a month away. So let's get first off to the Giants uh, series, two-game series off Monday, came back Tuesday. You had Andrew Heaney and Disclafani. I, you know, uh, that's a hard name to say. I had to listen to it a couple times to uh, understand what was who was saying what. But going into this game, Giants definitely a step up compared to uh, the Detroit Tigers, who they just finished taking three or four. Giants, you know, some people say that probably the best team in baseball right now, maybe even, you know, at least in the NL, leading mm-hmm. that and that really competitive NL uh, West. What were your thoughts kind of coming into the series? Yeah, I mean, I think I texted you saying, you know, I hope we can get at least a split. And, you know, with with Haney going in the first game, you're like, hey, you know, we think we got a chance if, if the good Haney is on. And with Otani, at the very least, you know, we think we could get one of these games. Um, so that was kind of the hope going in. Yeah, and you know, kind of unfortunate for Andrew Heaney in this game. Just a couple of different, like even if you go talk about like both games, you know, there's circumstances surrounding both games that kind of put the Angels at a disadvantage either early or or in the second game, late in the game. And the first one for for me in the in the first game on Tuesday with Andrew Heaney and with Luis Renjifo out in right field. And to that point, I believe he's only had like 18 innings total in the outfield, and he would be tested really early. And that's what's kind of the unfortunate part was that you had two outs. You were able to kind of, um, you know, limit this this offense early and, and trying to get out of the first inning because with the Angels, it always seems like the first couple innings are always the hardest. Um, but, you know, Luis Renjifo misplays the ball. Next thing you know, this inning continues. And the next thing you know, that kind of just snowballed. Something that could have been, you know, a third out and very limited damage ends up hurting Andrew and then the Giants end up putting up, I believe, four in that first inning. And it just seemed like they were never able to rebound from that. But it was just I don't know how you felt about having Luis Renjifo against a really good team out in right field when granted his bat's been good or has been better. But that defense kind of came into play real early. Yeah, you know, the first couple the first couple games that he was out there, I mean, he hasn't made too many starts out there and. I was like, oh, this is kind of weird, you know, him playing right field. I guess they're trying to get the bat in. Because as soon as he came up from AAA, 
the bat was playing really well. You know, he hit that homer, I believe, in that first game. Um, right. and, and he had been hitting decently. But I think now the bat's kind of cooled off. So I think less you're less inclined to kind of find a way to put him in the lineup now, I think, if I'm Joe Madden. But especially after that miscue, yeah, he just seems like an odd. I mean, it's been kind of a, a rotating cast of folks out there in right field this season. And he's just the latest one. You know, I think – for the most part, he looks okay out there, but he's not a right fielder. You know, he's no. kind of up the middle, shortstop, second base guy, or, or third. But um, yeah, Madden is the guy is is a coach that likes to put players kind of in every in every spot, so out there to field. So uh, yeah. his his time out there might be coming to an end. Soon. Yeah, it, it, like I said, it was kind of unfortunate because that should have been you know another out. You know, maybe they score one more or whatever the case may be. But the score five in the first inning against a really good or four against a really good team like that. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I, you can't put yourself in a disadvantage like that. You play the Diamondbacks, you play the Tigers, you play Kansas City, you're able to work your way back. But Discafani, um threw it actually a really good game, seven innings, only three hits um, and two walks, nine strikeouts. So when you play a good team like the Giants, whose pitching staff has been really good and, you know, a real big reason why they are where they are in the standings, it's just hard for a team without Trout, um, would later be without Upton. Um, to try to come back in, in this kind of game. It was just a really a really big struggle for them going uh, uphill at that point. Yeah. Yeah, I would say so. You know, and you talk about Trout. I feel like his presence has been really – like I, I was thinking for a while, I was like, you know what? Like this offense is kind of cruising a little bit without Trout. Maybe like – maybe we can kind of piece it together without him. But the last few games – those last couple of games against the Giants, it's like you really miss like – the best player in the game batting in your lineup, you know, like if Rendon has kind of been up and down all season and Otani can really only carry the freight so much. Same thing with Walsh to have trout in that lineup right now, when all things have been clicking, it's probably another couple wins for sure. Um, you know, and especially against this Giants team, we could have definitely used them because their pitching is, is as, as you were saying, it's, it's been really good. And we face like two of their top pitchers for the season in, yeah. in Discalafani and, uh, and Gossman. So, Gossman, yeah. And then too, like I mentioned, it kind of unfortunate for Andrew that any, it got extended. You end up really having a, you know, you, you, you text me, you text me, I think the next day, obviously. And you're saying, look at his line, you know, six, it ended up going being six uh, innings pitched, 10 hits, five runs, 10 strikeouts, no walks. Mm-hmm. And then I kind of look back at it and I kind of think I messaged you. I'm like, yeah, but how much of that was in the first inning? You look at it, you, yeah. take, out his, you take out his first inning that, again, could have very easily been um, avoided if, you know, if there's a right fielder out there that has been out there more than a handful of times. You're looking at a, at a line that looks more like, you know, six innings, five hits, one earned run, you know, mm-hmm. 10 strikeouts. And that can change the game completely because now – Instead of a 5-0 game going into the later innings, now you're talking about like a one or two point uh, run game that can really just change the fact for anybody. You know, the the pressure might get to these pitchers a little bit more. You might have a little more, you know, uh, juice in your in your in your lineup as far as like let's get up and do this kind of deal. But that first inning really put a damper on it. But I will give credit, like I said, to Heaney. He didn't let that affect him. You know, only getting up one run after that and still striking out ten. It was a really good outing by Haney and something that. Uh, I think the mental part of it is something you can really build on. Yeah, it kind of reminds me of that Cobb outing that Cobb had a 
few weeks ago where he gave up that grand slam and then really kind of put in a gutsy performance and kind of closed out, you know, kind of went six innings after, went a couple innings after giving up that grand slam. And I think the Angels ended up coming back to win that game. But obviously the Angels don't come back to win this one. But yeah, it's definitely one of a, definitely a gutsy performance, regardless of giving up the the five runs in the first two innings there. Um, 10Ks, no walks. No I walks. love to see the, the, the no walks. That's huge. Um so, yeah, I mean, uh, Haney's tough, man. It's always up and down with him. So um, we'll see what we'll, we'll see how he does uh, in this trip to the East Coast coming up soon. That'll be another good kind good of litmus test. test. Definitely. And so another thing that kind of happened real quick on this game was Jose Quintana did get activated from the IL. And, you know, they said right away he's going to be out of the bullpen, but he's not really going to be a long long guy, which I found surprising. You would think naturally mm-hmm. a guy that was a starter would fit perfectly in that uh, three inning kind of role. Now that, you know, kind of a corresponding move on that Monday was Chris Rodriguez getting sent down the double A, but they said he's going to be like kind of one inning kind of guy. And he came in for that one inning and looked good on, you know, one inning pitch, one hit, all three strikeouts. Yep. Um, I mean, you've heard numerous starting pitchers, especially late in their career, make a move to the bullpen and be able to kind of focus more on one or two pitches instead of like a full repertoire. Maybe that's what uh, Jose Quintana needs at this point of his career. I think that's something really interesting to kind of see how that plays out the rest of the year. Yeah, you know, it's another experiment with this Angels starting you know, pitching staff. You know, it's like, hey, you know, why not? You know, it's there's nothing to lose at this point. I'm about you say, know? What's the worst that can happen? Right, right, exactly. So, you know, I think this, uh, you know, Sandoval obviously forced this move more than anything yeah. in terms of Sandoval pitching well enough to, you know, be a part of the rotation. So when Quintana comes back, he comes back into the bullpen. So uh, we'll see if he ends up starting again later in the season, if there's another injury or something. I'm sure he comes right out of that role. But yeah, I mean, he looked good in that one inning. So uh, I guess we'll see, you know, moving forward. Let me get your thoughts real quick about Chris Rodriguez getting um, optioned, not to AAA, but down to double A. Yeah, I saw a lot of Angels Twitter kind of talking about that. And a lot of folks were wondering, like, oh, are they sending him to double A because it's more of a hitter friendly kind of minor league environment? Whereas, like, formerly the PCL, I'm not sure what they call it now. Yeah, still. But, um, yeah, that, that's a real hitter's league, you know, and you can see that with Joe Adele hitting like he's got like 16 homers. But, um, yeah, I guess the thought was to kind of put Chris Rodriguez in an environment where um, he can kind of build his confidence a little bit. I don't think he's ever made a double a appearance up to this point right he was just kind of a yeah his rehab start was his was uh his first triple a appearance so right uh, yeah so yeah so he he doesn't have a lot of minor league time obviously he's got an injury history and of course you know him from his time at at high a right down in Inland empire so you know this is a guy that hasn't really had much time in the minors at all so um you know, he got hit a little bit after coming back from this kind of shoulder set, uh, setback that he had earlier in the season. Got hit, got hit in his couple outings that he had made. Um, so I'm fine with this. I mean, I don't want him to kind of uh, come up here and just languish and, and kind of right. get hit around. So I think it's probably the right move. Um, and uh, yeah, we'll see how he does in Double A. Yeah, I definitely think it's going to help him get go down there. Uh, he has some familiar faces that he knows. Uh, if you if you listen to our Reed Detmers interview, um, Reed Detmers is you know he was actually with Chris Rodriguez playing catch when he learned how to do his you know his grip his slider. So like there's already kind of a chemistry with some of those guys down there. Mm-hmm. Get him comfortable again. It is kind of more pitcher friendly down there. Um, and then two, you know that trash panda team. Look at some of their pitching stats right now. You know look really good with some of their guys and you know led by Reed Detmers. And you put Chris down there. 
it's going to be really interesting to see because one of the reasons I think they did put him down in double A was because they did want him to start start starting games. And I think the way, like, obviously you're going to you have Jaime down there and triple A. You have like Dylan mm-hmm. Pete. Like, you have some guys down there that might have to come up sooner to start games. And I don't think they wanted to take those guys out of the rotation up in triple A. Where double right. A, it's real easy to slide him in as a starter. So yeah. something to look out for. I'm sure. I'm sure we'll see Chris at some point again back in Anaheim with the team at some point this year. Um, you know, I, I definitely think him more likely than Reed Detmers. Uh, you hear some talk about that. Um, but, you know, definitely uh, looking out for him, and hopefully he comes back sooner rather than later and gets everything situated. So now we'll go to Wednesday, the afternoon game. A big pitching duel was kind of um, hyped up, you know, as far as, you know, obviously Otani going for um, uh, uh, for the Angels and, like you meant, Gossman going for – uh, the Giants, Gossman, you know, if it wasn't for DeGrom, he'd be getting a lot of like Cy Young love, a lot of like just overall hype and just people I think would know him more. But because DeGrom is kind of supernatural right now and he's doing what he's doing, I think he's uh, Grossman has kind of flown under the way, uh, under the radar. Yeah, for sure. I mean, this is a guy that a lot of teams have taken chances on. You know, he was originally a Baltimore Orioles, spent, a, I think, his first four or five seasons there. He was a Atlanta Brave for a moment um, and never re- he kind of had like glimpses of, of greatness, but never really has kind of all put together in one season, uh, one campaign like he's doing now. So, yeah, you're right. If it wasn't for DeGrom, he would be definitely up there in terms of the National League kind of Cy Young conversation. So really good. And, and, a, and a guy with a nice split finger going yeah, up against was, another guy. With a nice, <laughs> yeah, it was like a split. Right. Exactly. So it was split cool off. to see that on both sides yesterday. So one of the things kind of coming into this game, and I had a, not a question, but I knew it would play a big factor in it, was the fact that Otani was going to bat for himself in this game. And like I mentioned before, Upton getting taken out of the day before kind of, in my eyes, threw a wrench in it. I honestly did not think he was going to bat because you run the risk of hit, losing the, losing that you know DH spot, which means once Otani's out, now you're cycling players through. And then with Upton unavailable and even saying unavailable, even to pitch hit, now you're left with a two person bench. And that was obviously Phil uh, Gossman and um, Max Stassi, who was, you know, obviously the backup catcher, which would play a role later in this game. Mm-hmm. Did you think, or how did you feel about when you found Otani was actually going to bat for himself in this game? Yeah. I mean, the fan in me was like, Oh, awesome. I love, I love when this happens, you know, but as the game kind of, uh, as the game kind of evolved, um, I was kind of, yeah, obviously regretting that decision, especially with Upton kind of being unavailable, being hurt um, with kind of that lower back issue that he has. Um, it just got way too out of control. Like that lineup and that the situation with Otani uh, pitching and hitting um, on the same day doesn't work for like extra inning games or no. like for long games. Like literally like he has to come out at like the sixth and the game has to like, or the seventh, hopefully and the game ends up in like in regular time like in the ninth inning so um yeah it got real messy real late yesterday and um yeah yeah exactly so obviously we we talked about the pitching matchup and that's exactly what it ended up being obviously um the two teams trading home runs in the fifth inning Yastrzemski getting one on the top of the fifth and then Luis Renjifo getting one in the bottom of the fifth Mm -hmm. and that was pretty much it from the offensive perspective as far as like from the starters I mean, you have Otani going six innings, six hits, one run, two walks, nine strikeouts. And we kind of were talking, too. Like, we thought he was done after the fifth inning. He threw – I'm not sure if it was – I'm not sure if it's his, his career high as far as, like, if you count J- Japan. But I know here in the States, 
going 105 for pitch count was definitely the high for him. So him coming out for that sixth inning and doing really, really well in that sixth inning, um, it kind of blew me away, and, and I was excited to see that, and he was end up getting up again. But, um, yeah, that sixth inning from Otani was huge in this game. Oh, yeah, for sure. You know, I think I texted you after the fifth inning, I was like, or after the fourth, I was like, he probably has one inning left him in him, and then Madden's going to pull, you know, pull the hook. But he left him in there for the sixth, and it, it paid off. You know, he kind of had some runners on base and kind of was kind of really kind of just kind of going through it um, up until the sixth inning there. And then, yeah, I think his, some of his last pitches in the fifth inning were like 99 and he kind of went back and forth between, you know, altering his, his velocity throughout the game and kind of controlling when he needed to push it and when he didn't. He just reminds me of just like an all-time kind of great pitcher that like literally no like when you get guys on, that's when like his stuff is like the best. And right. he, he kind of showed that yesterday. It's like I, I have zero stress when there's a guy at like second base or first and second with like one out and Otani's pitching, like I just know that he's going to find his way, a way to get out of it. Um, he's done that all season. It's crazy. So he, he get he gets it. He hits another level there when he's, uh, when he's up in pitch count and when he's, uh, when he's in trouble. Yeah. It's funny too, because in the beginning of the game, I believe over the first two innings, I think his average velocity on his fastball was like at 92, maybe 93. But mm-hmm. like you mentioned, when he needed to get those final three outs and Madden probably told him, hey, this is your last inning. You don't have to hold back for anything. He's reaching up to 99, 98, you know, fairly consistency, consistently. And so um, it is to me, you know, the big thing with Otani has always been or it hasn't been recently. I think this is why the walks. I mean, you remember early in his career, earlier this year, he would, you know, it wouldn't, it wouldn't be odd to see five, six walks in an outing for him. Yeah. And then kind of the, at the same time, his velocity started dipping a little bit. Those walks were kind of went down also. I think Otani has found a way to regulate his speed a little bit, but helps his accuracy. I think he realizes now that he doesn't need to throw 99 every time because I think he knows his stuff is good enough movement-wise to get guys out. So if he can throw 95, 96 and control the ball better and not walk as many guys, it's better mm-hmm. than throwing 99 and not really knowing where the ball is going to go. Right. Like you mentioned, he gets in trouble. He's late in games. He knows he has nothing you know, after this. Let it go. Let it, you know, let it, mm-hmm. especially with the day after being off. You know, I think that's kind of where we're at is that, I, you know, I, I truly believe that he kind of thinks, you know, let me let me get my pinpoint down before I really start ramping it up. Because you look at all his games, his velocity increases as the game goes on. Yeah, yeah, um, you're right. And it was funny, the first start where we started to notice that he was kind of dipping a little bit in his velocity, it was like 90, 92. We were like, oh, my God, like Tommy John again, something, here comes. Something, yeah. something's wrong with him. Here we go again. Um, but he was really just kind of controlling his effort kind of throughout the game. Um, and then that's that's continued since that start that he made where we were all kind of freaking out. So, yeah, he's 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 becoming kind of a better pitcher kind of right before our eyes and kind of not becoming he's, – he's kind of moving away from being that guy that just blows it past you to actually like pitching, becoming like a pitcher's pitcher. pitcher. So, yeah, exactly. Yeah. So, Tony would go six innings, like I said, six innings, six hits, one run, like a two walks, nine strikeouts, lowers his ear heart rate at 2.58, which is – for what he's doing is crazy. But then you go over mm-hmm. to Gossman, he goes seven innings, four hits, one run, nine strikeouts, and he lowers his ERA to 1.49. I mean, if it's anyone else uh, in the league or close to anyone else in the league, that's probably going to be enough to, you know, 
bring home a victory. But yep. like you kind of mentioned before, the game wouldn't go into extras, and this would play a huge factor in the game because, like I mentioned, there was a two-man um, bench. So obviously Phil got the first crack at it. Stassi got the first crack at it. Um, mm-hmm. They went all the way into the 12th where they all they traded scores. But then the top of the – what was it? The top of the 13th, the very next inning, it got kind of weird. Um you know, uh, Suzuki gets a foul ball off of him. Got to take him out. What do you do? Taylor Ward is the only other guy on the team with catching experience. He goes behind right. the plate as an ex- as an extra or a emergency catcher. And then out of left field, you have Griffin Canning, um, you know, uh, making the change. And I think actually that was actually in the 12th because if I remember correctly, um, as I'm trying to look through it, uh, they would uh, – what was it? Kenny would come up in the next half inning and have to lay down a bunt. And he yep. laid down a really good bunt and almost beat it out. It was just yep. it was just such a weird extra inning game. I told you this game would be great if it doesn't go – the longer it goes, the worse off it is. And that's exactly what happened with the Angels. Yeah, definitely. I mean, they, even, they had chances in the ninth and obviously the 10th, the 11th uh, to really kind of finish the game there. Um, I think Jared Walsh uh, started off the bottom of the ninth with a double, couldn't score him. Um, there was a chance for Max Stassi with the bases loaded where he's he coming off. And, and you mentioned it when you were texting me, you're like, you know, it's really hard to come off the bench and kind of pinch it kind of late in the game. Um, and that's what they called Stassi up to do. And he strung at like, he, he swung at like two yeah. ball fours that would have ended the game. So then you have the whole fiasco with Lagares, but yeah, I mean, uh, Iglesias pitched two really strong innings. I was really concerned he was going to give up a dinger in, in either of those uh, frames, but yeah, he, he get, Iglesias has a lot of edge to him, man. It's crazy. He's yeah, kind of the weird. guy that he's kind of the guy that you want in the playoffs, but he's also a guy that you could see in the World Series, like giving up like a three run <laughs> shot, you know, like and completely just just you know ruining your chances. But I, I would love him out of the bull. I would love for them to re-sign him at the end of the season. But I'm kind of getting carried away. Yeah, the prisoner of the moment. But yeah, after Otani, Myers did a great job. Myers ended up going two innings. Um, and he had his struggles, and he did really great. You had Iglesias go two innings, and after this point, you're kind of thinking, man, they kind of you made they probably used their best bullets at this point, and you're still in this you know extra inning uh, slugfest with them. But it would get down to the depth, I, I, you know. Some people want to blame Madden for this or or this person for that. But I think honestly, this is one of the games where it just played out the way it did, and there was nothing the Angels could really have done. I think at this this point. What do you change? You, you know, may, maybe you change Otani as a DH, or you take him out and you use someone as a DH. Mm-hmm. But still, now you only have a one-person bench, and then anytime Otani's in a lineup, is, it wouldn't be odd to hear the, him say, "Oh, yeah, he went two for three with a home run." You know, and how much can you say that about Phil Gosselin? No, can you say that about Stassi? You know, probably not. But yeah. you know, that's probably the only thing you can really question one way or the other. But I don't blame Madden for putting it in, knowing that Upton's going to be out, or you're going to miss some offensive firepower. So uh, right. this game, I just kind of chalked up to Vegas got, you know, beat by a better team. You know, I don't know what moves you make. He, they made all the right moves and literally, you know, putting in Kaladiud and, and Gara at the end. I mean, what else are you supposed to do? I mean, you use everyone else. Yeah, exactly. And a lot of angels fans were like, Oh, let's DFA the entire bullpen, blah, 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 blah. But like, Leading up to, to Claudio and, and Guerra, um, you know, Iglesias was really good. I think C-Shek had a frame. I think uh, Watson came in at one point. So, yeah, you know, it's it's tough. Um, and you're right. It just boiled down to 
couple missed opportunities, an interesting play at the plate, and um, yeah, they lost. They lost that to a, a definitely a better team. So, yeah, I, I mean, you look at the the bullpen numbers in this game before you get to Gara and Claudio. You you you're talking about six innings with one run and uh, one hit. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, like I said, I think all the right buttons were pushed, but you just knew the longer this game went, the depth would come and play, and obviously that is something the Angels did not have coming in. So, you right. know, a tough loss, but, you know, it, like I mentioned, the Giants are where they're at because of the depth and the overall team they have. And, you know, that there's a couple steps above the Angels. I mean, there's no real doubt about it. There's no way around it. But um, Wednesday is a real entertaining game until the end. Um, you know, it, w- it would have been – it would have been interesting to see. So um, then at least split. So obviously we're recording this Thursday. We'll talk a little bit about the, the, the ones coming up because like you mentioned, they're on the East coast swing uh, Friday, Saturday and Sunday, they are playing at Tampa Bay. And then they're early next week. They are playing at New York, Tampa Bay, obviously struggling a little bit. Pitchers are going down with injuries. Glass. Now the biggest one out of them, uh, the New York seems to be kind of riding the ship a little bit. They were going through their struggles earlier this year. Um, mm-hmm. Out of this, was it one, two, three, four, seven game uh, road trip? What do you think would be a good a good number to come back with victory wise? Um, you know, I would say if they go four and three, win four, lose three. That's I think that's really optimistic, though. Um, I always worry when the Angels go east. You know, it's like <laughs> especially when they go to like Fenway or New York. Uh, the Rays, you know, and then the Rays are also a great team. You know, they just called up their num- the number one prospect in baseball, Wander Franco. Uh, he homered in his first game, so you know they're down glass now. But you know they'll always piece it together, whether it's having the opener or whoever it is. They'll always um, find somebody. What's that? I mean, they always find somebody. Yeah. Yeah. They're like the, the, I think we always say they're like the athletics of the East. So yeah. they always, they always bring the next guy up and he always performs. So yeah, I, I don't know. I think, I think going four and three would be amazing. I would really be stoked about that, but I don't, I don't know if that's realistic. Um, I th- that's really being really optimistic. Yeah. So you have Canning going tomorrow. He got pushed back for the Otani start on Thursday. So he's going to be on a, I believe like a couple of extra days rest. So that's Friday, um, four o'clock. And you got Saturday, one o'clock with Cobb on the mound. And then Sunday, late morning, uh, a 10 o'clock start with Patrick Sandoval on the mound. So, um, you know, Cobb, I really want to see him bounce back. I mean, he seemed to have his stuff back at, at, at his last start. And Sandoval is always a guy that's interesting to watch because when he's on, he looks really good. He gives you kind of hope for the future as far mm-hmm. as the young pitchers. So, um, and I guess you can say the same thing about Canning and his perfect bunt that he laid down and almost beat like low key, better athlete than I thought. But I guess you should know that by him winning a gold glove, uh, I believe last yeah. year. So, um, you know, it, it should be a good series. I, I like it. Like you mentioned, I think if they can pull like two out of this one, then maybe like another two against the Yankees would be great. Uh, you just hope that they're able to score some runs and hopefully Upton comes back. And if not, I, you know, if he goes on the IL, you know, you're going to have to bring up an, uh, another bat, I, whether that's Wong comes back up again or someone. But um, it's going to be interesting to see how the roster moves tomorrow if they make any roster moves tomorrow. So that's kind of looking into the future. Again, they got a three-game series against Tampa Bay, and then they continue the East Coast swing with four games up in the Bronx uh, Monday through Thursday. Uh, so we're going to take a quick break. And when we come back, we're going to talk about the next chapter in the Sticky Stuff uh book that's been coming out for the last week or so. So we'll be right back after this. 
you work hard and you play hard. So treat yourself and stock up for summer barbecues with Kansas City Steak Company. Visit KansasCitySteak.com and get 10% off your order and free shipping with code SD at checkout. From classic steak cuts to USDA Prime to American-style Kobe, hard-to-find specialty cuts, and more, Kansas City Steaks has everything you need to fire up the grill. They make it super easy. Each order from Kansas City Steaks is flash frozen and delivered directly to your home. Satisfaction is guaranteed or your money back. Imagine relaxing in the backyard with family while enjoying steakhouse quality meals from Kansas City Steaks. Try their butter tender filet mignon, Kansas City strip, juicy steak burgers, all beef jumbo hot dogs, and even a complete meal combos. Bring the steakhouse to your home this summer with Kansas City Steaks. Go to KansasCitySteaks.com and get 10% off your order and free shipping with code SD. That's KansasCitySteaks.com. Promo code SD. Again, that's KansasCitySteaks.com. Promo code SD. I want to talk about Spotify Greenroom. Spotify Greenroom is a live, audio-only sports talk platform, which is free to download and free to use. You can talk to other fans, athletes, and insiders in real time. Perfect for watch parties, debates, post-game breakdowns, and reacting to breaking news. All you need to do is download the Spotify Greenroom app free in the iOS or Android app store. Create a profile, link it to your Twitter, and join. That's it. It's that easy. So go ahead and check out Spotify Greenroom. And we are back, and I want to thank our sponsors again uh, for supporting the podcast. Please support the people that support us. So, Mike, I believe I think last time I talked to you, um, I think this this whole sticky stuff enforcement kind of the rumor mill about it started started coming, and now beginning this week was the actual enforcement. I believe Monday was the first day of the actual enforcement of it. Mm-hmm. Um, when you heard about how they're going to enforce and how they're going to kind of do this, what were your, what were your thoughts? Yeah, I was a little worried that it would turn into kind of a, a crazy kind of, you know, shit show. And, and, and it, and it kind of has, you know, a lot of pitchers have kind of been like fine with it and like, okay, check my glove, check my hat, check this and that. But, you know, as we'll see, it's, it's gotten, it's, it's gotten kind of out of hand to me. And I think they're going to have to find a way to kind of make it, less kind of of a circus um because yeah it's 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 gone kind of crazy it, either that's going to happen they're after going to change how they go about it or the pitchers are just going to become so used to it that it just becomes kind of second nature to them so yeah you kind of mentioned we had a couple of examples of the good and the bad and obviously um otani pitching you know kind of him going through the process and you saw and even andrew Haney the day before just kind of here you go check it out and you've seen this a lot and you know otani mm-hmm. especially the way he is is just smiling about it no problem probably cracking jokes right and everything like that and it's just there's always just seems to always be like the the good way and then there's the the way on the other side uh max serger i think max serger is just crazy in general regardless mm-hmm. of if he's being checked but like you see his stuff uh against Philly and then you're just kind of like wow okay this is calm down a bit it's don't got to take it so serious yeah this is wild um he obviously kind of took offense to it here um and I think he was kind of really upset here because Joe Girardi I think was the one that had prompted it right. um who's obviously the the Phillies uh head coach so yeah he goes he goes kind of off the deep end there a little bit Mad Max you know as they say so um 
Yeah, I think I think this is the reaction we'll get for maybe another few days. But then, as I said, maybe, you know, after this becomes more routine, I think I feel like pitchers will just kind of just do it. But uh, yeah, it's crazy. And another thing, too, is like, obviously, pitchers, this is happening after the inning on their way to the dugout, which I think for time purposes, that's a perfect time to do it because you're not slowing down the game at all. They're Mm -hmm. not on the way out to the field to do warmups, then you kind of delay that process. You're either already going down to the bullpen or the dugout. The only, I guess not bad part, but the only part where it's like, I understand you're in the heat of the moment is like, like Sergio Romo here is where he's getting off the mound. I think he just gave up like a couple runs. And so he's kind of already mad about that. And then just kind mm-hmm. of almost uh, pulls a, who was it? Uh, Steve Lyons and just almost <laughs> totally, uh, gets his pants down around his ankles and it's just kind of like, all right, like at a certain point, it just kind of seems childish to me, I guess. Like you knew. This yeah. Was now yeah, I'm it's, surprised that it is. Yeah. The pitchers are pitchers don't like this. Obviously, you know, you can tell that they're not a fan of this new rule, the way they're doing it. Um, it's kind of invasive to them, you know, the whole like, well, let me see your belt. So, you know, he it's Romo obviously takes it to the extreme there. As you're saying, he probably gave up a couple runs before this. So he's probably already kind of hot a little bit. Um, but yeah, I mean, like pulling down your pants, uh, you know, taking your shirt out, your jersey out, it's a little, a little wild. But I'm so obviously like trying to tell him like, hey, 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 I'm not I'm not up for the show today right. type thing. So, And then I, I guess to the credit of the umpires and in, in both cases, you know, them understanding the situation as far as pitchers not liking this. I mean, you see the Sergio Romo thing where he's literally tossing his stuff on the ground. The same thing with the Sergio uh, uh, video. It would have been really easy for them, like, okay, I'm not taking your crap and toss them. Mm-hmm, but mm-hmm. I, them knowing the situation as far as, okay, I understand you don't like it. I understand that this is probably not the best uh, policy or anything like that, but we still have to do this and not toss them or not, you know, uh, or any of that kind of stuff. So, I, you know, I at least give the umpires – people like to rip on the umpires, and I get it, but at least on this situation, they kind of understood – this isn't great. This isn't the ideal situation. And maybe they do make tweaks. Maybe, you know, in a, in a week or two, either a, like you said, they're, they're going to change the process of it a little bit to where it's not so out in the open or mm-hmm. B maybe that they realize, okay, this is what it's going to be. And got to get used to it. So yeah, kind of crazy. Um, but how, something else that came out, I believe was Monday was glass. Now kind of saying the lack of substance led to his injury, which could, ultimately leave they haven't said one or the other it could ultimately lead to him maybe having tommy john surgery how did you feel about like that reaction did you feel it was an actual reason why that happened or do you think this was inevitable and it was just going to happen regardless i don't know you know i i leave it up to the pitchers to tell me what they think but i mean at the same time uh, pitchers are always kind of crying, you know, wolf type thing, you know, where it's, oh, you know, the unwritten rules. How are you going to homer off of me in a 13 to nothing <laughs> game on a 3-1 pitch? Or how are you going to do this to me? You know, I always complain that, like, there's no unwritten rules protecting the hitters. All the unwritten rules in baseball protect the pitchers <laughs> every single time. So, like, I have very little kind of, like, patience for when pitchers kind of continue to go down this path of, oh, you know, I wasn't able to use the sticky stuff, so I wasn't, you know, so um, so I got injured. However, Glasnow was saying that he mainly just uses rosin and sunscreen, which a lot of players, uh, hitters even, have said that they're okay with the pitchers using rosin and sunscreen, but it's like the spider tack, the pelican grip or whatever yeah. that they're not okay with because that's the stuff that, like, really affects, like, the spin rate and all that. So, um, so yeah, I mean, I kind of side with him in that, like, 
you got to maybe give the pitchers something. And if it's like, and the league maybe has to like come out and say, Hey, we're approving this, like to not have rosin and sunscreen, which is something that pitchers have had for a long time. And, and if, and if hitters are okay with people using that and just generally the league is fine with rosin and sunscreen, then you probably just let that go and just really crack down on the hard stuff. But they're doing all, you know, a lot of players too have come out and said like, why didn't you consult us? You know, you didn't, you have the whole league, you have all these retired players at your fingertips to consult, but it doesn't seem like they actually talked to anybody that played baseball. So long story short, um, uh, I'm kind of 50, 50 with glass. Now I, I, I don't buy the, the injury thing really. I've never heard a pitcher say that at the same time, I do sympathize with him in that they've taken everything away from him and in the middle of the season, which is strange. So, uh, yeah, it's tough. I, I go 50-50 with him on that. You know, to me, the pitchers are are, are, are are not, I don't know. It's just, to me, it's like, okay, we get it. You, you, you got something taken away. You got a toy taken away. You don't have to go all three-year-old on us. Like, right. I understand you got everything taken away, but in a way, it's like you guys kind of brought this on yourself, and everyone likes to use, has been using the example. They gave you an inch, which was, the mm-hmm. rosin and and sunscreen, yeah. But you took a mile. I mean, that's the Pelican grip and and the Spider Tech. And now that they took it away from you, because obviously you ever heard the saying, "You can't have nice things." It's kind mm-hmm. of that situation. And it, I understand in the middle of the season is not great as far as timing of it. But I always think about it like, you know, if if you're going down a street on the way to work every single day, and let's say the speed limit is thirty five. But you're flying to work at 70. You never get caught, never get caught, never mm-hmm. get caught. And now you all of a sudden get pulled over for going 70 and a 35, and now you're late to work. Well, you never pulled me over before. Right. But yeah, right. but still, you're still, you know, you're still, still breaking not, the law. You're still yeah. breaking the law. Whether, whether they decide to enforce it that day or the next day, you can't be like, well, you let me do it the last five weeks. You know, and I feel like that's kind of what the pitchers, it's been, you know, it's been a rule that's been in the, in the rule book forever. It's not a new rule. People want to keep on saying like, well, how do you, you know, write a new rule in the middle of the season? It's like, no, they're just enforcing the one that's already there. And, and, mm-hmm. you know, for some of the pitchers that are reliant on, on spin, you know, that, that sucks. But at the same time, it's the MLB wants to get the offense going. And I don't necessarily think it's offense, like offensive numbers, like home runs, RBIs. I think, a big issue with MLB and a lot of people said it, the three main, the three main outcomes, walks, home runs and strikeouts. Yeah. Maybe now instead of people always ripping, trying to get home runs now that the, the baseball is a little bit easier to hit. Now you maybe have a better chance of going uh base hit, base hit double or something, putting the ball in play more. And I think that's the biggest issue where major league baseball is trying to do is now let's get the ball and play more. I think, right. you know, if it, if it leads to off more offensive numbers and great, and it probably will, but at least we're not sitting here, uh, you know, 10 strikeouts and for a pitcher, you know, five walks, but a ball doesn't get put in play for like two straight innings or something like that. So it's like, yeah, I, you know, I kind of think they, that's what they're looking for is putting the ball and play more. And if it leads to the offensive numbers is great. People are always complaining that people are always trying to go for home runs. Well, it's because pitchers have been using this stuff and it makes it really hard to go back to back to back base hits. Now that it's maybe a little bit easier to go back-to-back base hits, maybe now instead of your second baseman that's only you know a buck ninety trying to rip it for the fences, now he can actually start hitting it the opposite way now because it's easier to hit it the opposite way and you can kind of get momentum that way. I think that's going to overall have a bigger effect than just oh my velocity or my spin or or this and that. I think it's going to lead to more 
balls in play, which I think that's the ultimate goal for Major League Baseball. Is let's put more balls in play and let's get the ball moving around the infield or, or, you know, through the gap or something like that. Yeah, it's this constant tug of war that you always see in baseball over the decades. You know, at first it was, oh, we're going to we're going to push the, the the pitching mound back or bring it forward. I don't remember what they did, but they they, they, they adjusted the pitching mound to be, I think, further away from home plate. And then, you know, with the steroid crackdown, hey, we got too much offense. Like We need to really patrol and start cracking down on steroids. Now it's, hey, the pitchers have too much of an advantage. They're too good. So we need to, you know, limit the amount of, of, of substances they're using. So it's this constant thing that the commissioners of baseball have to juggle over the years of like, how do we make this game kind of even on both sides without kind of swinging it one way or the other? So, yeah, we'll see. We'll see now with, with you know, obviously it's been coming out that a lot of these pitchers, are um, their spin rates have been lowered now since MLB is kind of cracking down. So uh, we'll see. I mean, the pitchers are still really good. I mean, Garrett Cole is still really good. You know, I don't think we're going to see like any of these pitchers lose their lose spider attack and then they're like garbage all of a sudden. <laughs> right. You know, they get DFA'd or something. <laughs> yeah, it's not going to be that that big of a of a change. But um, yeah, maybe maybe we get more balls in play. Maybe the the game gets a little more exciting. Um, yeah. Yeah, and then too, like some people were saying, well, you know, some of the pitchers were complaining about, you know, well, I need some kind of grip. You know, I don't want to start hitting guys. I'm like, well, if you look at the numbers close enough, hit by pitches were way up this mm-hmm. year compared to other years. Yeah. You know, so obviously that's not helping. Yeah. I think that becomes more, and this kind of goes back to the Otani thing about, th- I think there's too many pitches right now throwing and not pitching as far as right. I got to throw 95. I got to throw 100. I got to throw 99. I don't know where it's going, but mm-hmm. I have to do that. Maybe this forces guys to take a step back and and do kind of what we've seen with Otani or, or maybe he's doing, I don't know if he's doing it on purpose or not, but lower the velo again, maybe jump down to like 94, 95, but now you're able to pinpoint it more. Maybe you're yeah. now you're able to get, you know, more balls in play that way, but also maybe you're not walking nearly as many guys. And, and maybe it's, you know, you don't have to throw 99 every time to try to get a guy out. Maybe you can throw a, a 96, on the corner just does just as good as a 99, you know, down the middle or a hundred down the middle. So, right. you know, I, I right. kind of feel that pitchers need to change their mindset with it as far as let's maybe not go a hundred percent all the time. And you look at some of the older pitchers, I, I forgot who it was talking about, but they talked to uh, Greg Maddox. He would pitch a nine inning, you know, complete game, whatever one run. And he said, I never felt tired after it. Cause he was never a, 100% guy any mm-hmm. at any point during this outing. And it seems like now guys are 100% out of the gate, and that's why you're seeing them getting pulled after, you know, the fifth inning, after the sixth. Yeah. Maybe they tone back. Maybe now if they do that, pitchers can go longer. Now the whole thing about, you know, the bullpen usage is, goes down, and that that will eventually help the, the pace of play if you want. So, it's like, yeah. to me, there's a lot of things that can happen domino-wise. I don't know if it's going to happen, but like usual – Baseball doesn't come out and say, hey, this is our overall scheme. This is what we kind of see for the future. And baseball just kind of comes out, this is what we're going to do right now. It's like I I really feel if they would have came out and say, hey, we're starting it this year, but this is where we want to end. You know, Mm -hmm. we want to see more balls in play. We want to see starting pitchers go longer because they're not throwing so fast and they're controlling the ball better. And maybe the general public would be like, you know what? There's a point here, but they don't. And I think – for as much stuff as baseball does, I can understand it, but the way they try to explain it to people is just way off, way off. Yeah, yeah. MLB has been very, like, reactionary in recent years. Like, they react to different situations, but right, but they don't give us the timeline or the, 
the real plan for like what they want to achieve moving forward. You know, it's like um, they want to react to it quickly and they do kind of a half-assed job reacting to it because they want to avoid kind of like a PR nightmare or like some sort of bad press or whatever it is. So they just like, they figure something out and they're like, okay, people are using these substances. We're going to ban all the substances and we're not going to tell you like what the plan is for, you know, what the ramifications of pitchers not using it anymore. No rosin, no sunscreen, no nothing. Like we just don't want to deal with it anymore. So yeah, it's kind of a bad way to go about things, but you know, this is kind of where we are right now with, yeah. with baseball. Definitely going to be interesting to see how this all plays out the rest of the year. Now that some of these pitchers are going to, especially at the end of this week, beginning of next week, there's kind of their second time in the rotation is starting to start coming over again. And so it's going to be their mm-hmm. second time doing all this stuff. And, you know, it'd be interesting to see if they still have the same reactions or now if it's still just kind of old hat, you know, kind of like in any kind of rule change, I don't care what sport it is. It's always like, oh, my God, I can't believe like there was a time where people were like, oh, my God, I can't believe you put a three point line in basketball. Now it's so common. Yeah. You don't even think about it anymore. Or right. I can't believe you can't do this in football. You still always now it's just like, OK, whatever. You know, it's just part of the game. Like maybe that's what this turns into. And we're still kind of super early to find out, but I kind of have a feeling a version of this, maybe not the exact same way, but a version of this is going to be, oh, okay, yeah, nope, yeah, whatever, it's okay. It's like warm-up pitches, it just happens. Yep. So another thing that came out today when we were talking about it is the all-star uniform slash hat um, unveiling, if you will. And if you're not 100% familiar, the game did get moved from – Atlanta, which was previously scheduled to Colorado. So obviously a lot of these have Colorado themed um, assets to it. So uh, the first one I want to bring up is the jerseys um, you see there, the, the blue and then the white. Yeah, or, you know, obviously the ALNL. What have yep. you thought about the jerseys in general? Yeah, this is a big change. You know, at first we were talking, we were like, oh, I think this is just what they wear like pregame warm-up. But I'm pretty sure, like 95% sure this is actually what MLB wants them to wear during the game. Um, you know, because I've seen a lot of people reacting like, well, you know, these are the only All-Star game uniforms we should wear. And they were posting pictures of previous All-Star games where you basically just wear your uh, your team's jersey and your hat has like the, you know, the logo of that All-Star game attached to it. But um yeah I, I don't i don't like these i don't like i don't like these um you know this reminds me of kind of i don't know i can't remember what they call it now but it was like where the players get to put their nicknames on the back of their jerseys oh, players weekend yeah players weekend this kind of reminds me of players weekend where those jerseys look awful too and these ones just not a fan i think i prefer uh the white um those look a little slicker yeah the nl jerseys but um yeah, I don't know. Yeah, I, I wasn't a big fan of the jerseys. Yeah, and I'm interested to hear that too because I know with the hats, um, looking up to see the hat you can buy, they gave did give you two options. They gave you the hat that we're going to show in a second, and they gave you the hat with just a regular angel logo with the patch. So I'm guessing that mm-hmm. one's going to be for the game. The other one's going to be for like the home run derby and you know probably like the futures game and all that kind of extra stuff. BP and all that stuff. And I kind of honestly, I had a feeling that's what this was going to be for. Like you would see Otani and the home run derby doing this, but if that's the case and they wear these for the, for, for the actual game, yeah, I I don't like that. I love seeing the same thing with the, the, I believe the pro bowl went to that where they had like a uniform, uh, uniform, uniform um, for the players and they didn't let them wear their team, you know, representative Jersey. And I always thought that was cool because you have a mismatch of designs, mismatch right. of uh, colors that are kind of all out there. And a game like this where 
baseball where you don't necessarily like with football. I kind of understand because you kind of need to know who's on your team in a split second with baseball. You really don't. You just need to know the guy in front of you is trying to throw a ball at you. That's like, that's kind of the yeah. main thing. So for them to wear their normal uniforms, was always a kind of a cool thing as a kid. And if these are the case, you know, I'm not, I'm not a fan of it. So, you know, yeah, the, the, if I could just say real quick, the thing about baseball is that they probably have the best all-star game product, like out of yes. all the major sports. Yes. And so you don't need to really MLB doesn't really need to sit around and be like, hmm, we need to really tweak this. You know, like they need to tweak a lot of other things. Trust yeah. me. But like the, the all-star game is not really something they need to mess with. Like it's probably MLB and then the NBA in terms of like the two all-star games that get the most fanfare. And, and MLB's is, is kind of definitely way ahead of the, the NBA's all-star game, in my opinion. But they don't need to really tweak this. Uh, I think what they had, you know, with the just wearing your uniform is best. Yeah, I think this is kind of a, a, you know, even if they they did this for, like I said, like the home run derby, okay, that's fine. That's a home run derby, mm-hmm. you know, it's a little something extra, I understand. So um, now going to the hat a little bit, obviously this is the angel version, but pretty much all the teams have the same kind of design to it as far as you see the patch on the side, you have the, the, the logo in the front with the purple and white star in the background and honestly like you look at the little subtleties to it i understand it with the star you have the kind of the purple in the middle and then towards the tips you have the white for the rocky mountains and same thing with mm-hmm. the all-star logo um but two things i, I don't hate it it's it, you know the, the purple and stuff like that is not bad but at the same time they had to put this together really quickly yeah. Yeah. I, you know, I really like the all-star game logo. Um, I think the star, like I didn't even notice the Rocky mountains are there at the bottom. Like I just thought it was the star, like a purple star, the little like uh, badge on the, on the side of the hat. But the fact that they got like the, the mountains in there looks super nice and the ASG and it's purple and black and looks really nice. What I don't like is the star that's behind every team's logo on the front of the hat. <laughs> which is kind of like, I don't know what they're trying to do with the purple in the star there. Like it's, it's like fading away at the points, but then it looks, it just looks kind of sloppy. It looks like someone, it looks like a kid like was like coloring the star purple and then you you didn't finish coloring it all purple. So um, I think it would look better if the star behind the the team's logo was all purple, but you know what? Yeah. I, the, the, I I will say this all-star game logo itself, the logo itself is probably, it's a it's a fire all-star game logo i will say that um yeah so for me and the people that have been listening for a while know i collect hats so obviously i'm gonna get this one so obviously i got the Mm -hmm. uh the most recent one because obviously they didn't have one in 2020 so the 19 the one in cleveland so again you always kind of seem to have the logo with something in the front there yeah this one is from the minnesota one um kind of the white uh, middle part of it, and this is mm-hmm. kind of you know when I first started doing it. But like I said, I have them all the way. The Nationals when they're in Washington, probably yep. one of my favorite ones, the Padre one. Yeah, that's how they, nice. How they you know show the, again? They always show the colors. They always somehow and 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 you know bring in the, whatever teams host in the colors, except for Miami for whatever reason. Well, I think actually this is the game used one, not the home run derby one. I think that's why. Uh, like okay. that. Simple. And then yeah. you obviously have like a patch on the side. But uh-huh. I, again, I've always been a huge fan of these. Um, obviously, they're not going to be great. Again, I, you know, for what they are, um, it's fine. I, I'm glad, I'm glad that they, 
they have something different. I'm a sucker. I'm going to buy it. Plain mm-hmm. and simple. But yeah. kind of like you said, there's little things to it where you can honestly really appreciate the subtleties to it, like the mountains and the logo. I love the logo. Um, mm-hmm. I kind of, the shadowing of the A is kind of, you know, I don't know. It seems kind of weird to me that way. But um, yeah, I, I don't mind it. And then too, if you follow us on Halo Haven, Halo underscore Haven on our Instagram, we got a bunch of mixed reactions. I've been posting those all day. Some people absolutely love it. Some people absolutely hate it. Um, mm-hmm. Some people are in the middle. Like every kind of idea you can have about this hat or this, mostly the hats. Mostly I will say people have said, I like the hat jerseys I will pass on. So that is something definitely to kind of look out for. But yeah, I mean, I do not mind the hat. I will probably get it within a couple of days just because that's what I do between the hat and the um, spring training. Those are probably the two I get every year, no matter what. Spring training is way worse, way more basic. And it's that one's that's the one I have the more issue with than an all star one that at least changes colors and design every single year. Spring training one all changes right. the patch. So right. um, not terrible, not bad. Uh, but again, really going to be fun. Also, you mentioned it. All star games are, are so much fun for baseball, the home run derby, um, even the futures game. If you're into prospects, that's always a lot of fun as well. So um, another thing that's going to happen at the all star game when we mentioned the home run derby. You have not been on since, obviously, Shohei has uh, announced his entrance to this team, this game or the Home Run Derby. How do you feel about Otani being in the Home Run Derby? Yeah, it's it's huge. Um, you know, it's it's been a while since we've had an angel in the Home Run Derby. I'm trying to think, you know, obviously Trump Vlad uh, was in it back in the day. GA had done it back Trumbo, in the day. I think, in uh, Tr- yeah, you know what? Trumbo is the last one, probably. Yeah, and I think that was in Kansas City, maybe. Because yeah. I remember him hitting bombs out there into the into the uh, fountain that they got out there. Um, so, yeah, no, this is going to be huge. Um, it'll put him on more of a national spotlight, um, you know, as if he needs, he needs any more attention. Um, but, yeah, no, this will be a great showcase for him. Um, uh, yeah, I think it's going to be unreal uh, how far he hits some balls during that, during that home run derby. Um, I'm just hoping he doesn't mess up his swing. There's always that like, you know, nagging kind of suspicion that some, you know, fans and players have that are like, Oh, you know, it must, you know, look at, look at how he did the second half of the season. He was in a (laughs) big slump because he overswung during the home run, uh, overswung during the home run derby. But uh, I I don't care at this point. I I, want to see him in it. Yeah. If you could, if you only had to pick one, the home run derby or him in the all-star game, let's say, get in at bat and pitch an inning. Which one would you rather choose? Say that again? If you can only pick one, he can only do one event, the home run derby or the all-star game. But in the all-star game, he gets to pitch an inning and, like, get in at bat. Uh, I want to see him. Yeah, I would probably side with the all-star game, like having him pitch oh, wow. an inning and, and, and batting. Yeah. I mean, the Home Run Derby has a lot of fanfare, but seeing him, I think the All-Star game, yeah, I would probably rather see him in the All-Star game do the pitching, do pitch an inning and then bat as well. That would be huge. I wonder if they'll let him, again, exhibition, it doesn't really matter, um, but let him pitch an inning but continue to be the DH for like, you know, two or three times through the lineup because mm-hmm. he is going in as a DH, but how are you going to have Otani there as a DH and not at least let him pitch one inning. That I mean, obviously it's kind of probably going to depend on where he falls with the angels rotation. This might not even be an option if he pitches in that Seattle series, 
before the All-Star game. So, right. but yeah, I would love to see him pitch an inning, and then hopefully they let him just stay in as a DH for like two times, three times through. I think that would be a lot of fun also. Yeah. Um, but we kind of mentioned who else would you want to see in that home run derby? Obviously, you have Otani in. You have Peter Alonso, who has confirmed that he's going to be in and um, defend his title from 2019. Vlad Guerrero Jr., out officially and which kind of was disappointing as someone i really wanted to see but mm-hmm. obviously four on each side you have one on each side already spot taken so three on each side who are some of the guys you want to see so on the american league side um you know i i, I kind of want to take an astro just because the astros are so hated i would love to see like either correa <laughs> or like uh alvarez one so either one of correa or alvarez um, I'd want to see Aaron judge, um, do it again. I think he's done it in the past. Um, and then probably somebody, um, somebody like somebody on the A's, you know, uh, Matt Olson has Olsen. been raking this season, uh, over there. Right right space. Yeah. Um, so that might be kind of cool on the national league side. I think we got Alonzo already confirmed, right? Pete Alonzo. Yeah. So I'd probably take uh, – I'd probably want to see Tatis Jr. Not sure if he's going to do it. Um, a lot of the big all-star names don't end up doing it. You end up with guys like – I don't know. Like, like I watch, like Jake Cronenworth from the Padres will probably like – Yeah. But, yeah, no, Tatis Jr. for sure, Acuna, um, and then probably like Juan Soto, I would say, from the National League. Yeah, you know, American League, obviously, Vlad, I think, would have been my – outside of a ton, would have been my number one pick to, to do it, but he's not going to do it. Um, Olsen was a great – you know, Devers from Boston, you know, would be good to see him too. Mm-hmm. Um, a little bit, you know, East Coast guys. I don't want to, like, load it up with all, like, West Coast, like, yeah. all these guys. But, uh, you know, another guy that would be really interesting, and I don't think they'll do it just because, A, it's two people, two people from one team. But if Jared Walsh gets into the All-Star game, I think it would be pretty fun too because he can hit it. He can hit it pretty well too from from that left side, so I think that'd be a lot of fun. Mm-hmm. But um, you know, Otani, Olsen, Devers, and then yeah, like uh, a Nathan, uh, a Cruz, uh, Nelson Cruz, Nelson Cruz. I don't want to call him Nathan. Nelson Cruz. I think do it one for the old guys. Like you know, he's still yeah. he's still up there in the, his power numbers. It's a glorified uh, BP. If he wants to do it, I don't, I'm not necessarily sure where he's at in the All Star like voting, but mm-hmm. you know, if, you know, I. Do it for the senior circuit. I don't know. Like, I think I think that would be a lot of fun to see him do it at, at his age. And obviously, with where he's at in the pitching or in the home run standings, he, he's still very capable of doing it. And then NL, you mentioned it. I think the juniors are a lot of fun. The uh, Acuna Jr. and Tatis Jr. I can see Acuna Jr. doing it before Tatis. But mm-hmm. uh, someone that's kind of recently been on a home run tear that might carry that momentum into possibly doing something like that again don't know where he's at in the all-star voting or if he's going to be an all-star, but Kyle Schwarber has been on a, a tear recently, you know, with his home runs and that's kind yep. of the hot name right now. If he can, continues it, mm-hmm. why not ca- try to carry that momentum over to the home run derby and try to see if you can get more people that way. If yep. not, you know, uh, Winkler, uh, Winker from Cincinnati, I think is a guy that's been under, uh, you know, under the radar all year because of playing in Cincinnati. It's be a good time uh-huh. to get him out there and, you know, um, in front of a more bigger audience. Yeah. I mean, this audience is going to be huge with Otani by its, by himself. Mm-hmm. But now you get Winker out there, and he's uh, tied for fourth in NL with home runs. Uh, so a guy that can still put it over the fence. I think some someone like that. I like I like the idea of like uh, like a a long shot, a guy that 
maybe the casual fan doesn't know as well, but has been having a really good year. And I think Jesse Winker would be that guy exactly. So if I had it my way, I would go, obviously, uh, real, realistically, I would go, obviously, uh, uh, Alonzo's in it. So I would go Alonzo, Acuna Jr., Schwarber, and, and Winker. Just, you know, kind of a little variety of everything. And, and just uh, I have a couple, like, long shots, like Schwarber and Winker. Like, I think that would be kind of fun to see those guys go up go against the big names. Like, could you imagine if Winker and Otani or Winker? Yeah. I, I, you're not that crazy, man. That's, that's not like a crazy thing. Like I could easily see that. I was looking back at the 2015 home run derby. Uh, it's a derby that Todd Frazier won, which is, yeah, you know, obviously Todd Frazier has had like a bit of pop, you know, over his career as he's, he's definitely a Homer guy, but like in that home run derby, he was up against um, Prince Fielder, Josh Donaldson, and then Jock Peterson in the final round. Um, so, yeah, there's always going to be some surprise guy that you don't expect. Uh, Winker, if he did go into the home run derby, I definitely would bet on him, you know, possibly making the finals. Because there's always one guy that kind of like makes his way and kind of like brings the house down when you when you least expect it. You, you mentioned kind of with a swing with Latani. It's like... You know, you don't want to overdo your swing. And so I just feel like some of these other guys that just don't have the pressure to, to, you know, hit it 500 feet can have the same steady swing every single time. And next thing you know, you look up and he's like, you know, hits like 15 and around. And you're just like, oh, my God, how did that happen? It's just like the same swing over and over again. I feel like that yeah, ultimately kind of wins you a home run derby. And, and for what it's worth, obviously – it's not something you go into the Hall of Famer with, but it's just always fun to kind of see a guy just, just get on a roll and just. I remember when Vlad did it a couple of years ago, he was just on a roll and crushing it. And then mm-hmm. you have a uh, what was it, Stan at the, in San Diego hitting it off the uh, uh, the warehouse. Yeah, and that yeah. Was, you always have like moments like that where it's so fun. So I, I'm, I'm looking forward to the, to the home run derby. I think that should be a lot of fun. And now with an angel finally in it. Seeing that Trout never did it, I feel like Trout's going to be like the LeBron, where he never goes into the slam dunk contest. Right. Trout's never going to go into the home run derby, which it's kind of, kind of sucks. But um, at least now Otani is uh, taking the mantle and at least doing it that way. And maybe we'll get Otani again in a couple of years too, or who knows? Maybe he wins it and wants to repeat. I don't know, but uh, yeah, you got at least you got something for sure. So mm-hmm. uh, again, All Star Game, uh, July, I believe it is. The home run derby is on that Monday. I believe it's the twelfth. Uh, and then the game, obviously, on Tuesday, the 13th, I believe it is, of July. So before we go, I wanted to bring this up one last time because this is the last podcast before the event. And that is obviously the Bearded Villains of the Inland Empire, the chapter that Johnny belonged to of the Bearded Villains, a group of guys that come together for charity and family events. And just they're just a really good organization, the Bearded Villains of the Inland Empire. And Barrel and Stave Poorhouse out in Fullerton are coming together uh, Saturday, June 26th. So, again, that's this Saturday from 11 to 4 p.m. Um, this is going to be in Fullerton. So I know a lot of people always ask when we're going to be in the Orange County. This is a chance for us to be in Orange County. Chris and myself will be there for sure, and we will have giveaways and all that stuff. Again, it's 250 West Santa Fe Avenue, Unit 20. Again, all the proceeds, or not all the ten percent of the proceeds between eleven and four o'clock are going to go to the Tyler Skaggs Foundation in Johnny's name. Um, they wanted to figure out a way to raise money and donate and put it in Johnny's name, and they know about our relationship and our past with the Tyler Skaggs Foundation, and they were they thought it would be a perfect you know marriage for that part. So um, really hoping to see you guys out there. And like I mentioned before, and other ones we have giveaways. Uh, family four pack of tickets for July second game. That's the first game back after this road trip out in uh, again against Baltimore. 
great seats. If you're watching us on YouTube, Facebook, or Twitter, you see this is the view from the seats. The the season ticket holder that donated the tickets to us took a picture um, at the Detroit game and sent it to me. So these are exactly your seats. I'm in the 300 section, 335. If you're familiar with Angel Stadium, you know exactly where that is. We'll have a raffle for that. We'll have a raffle for a pair of Canaan uh, sun- Canaan sunglasses. Um, donated Canaan.com, Kanan, at Canaan on IG and Twitter. Again, these are all raffle prizes we're going to have at the event. And f- obviously a signed ball by Brandon Marsh. The 100% of those proceeds, the, the raffles, will go to the Tyler Skaggs Foundation as well um, in Johnny's name. Again, come out. Uh, hope to spend some time with some fans that we have not yet seen. Um, really looking forward to it. I just hope that, uh, you know, we get a good turnout. And now that California is more open, hopefully we get a, a good turnout. Uh, talking to some of the people there, they do have TVs. So hopefully we get the game going on because it worked out perfectly. The game's at one o'clock that day. Uh, come by. Like I said, me and Chris will be there. The guys from Beard of Villains will be there, obviously, too. Um, but really, really looking forward to this event. We've been kind of marked on the calendar for a couple months now, and now it's happening this Saturday. Again, Saturday, June 26th, Barrel and Stave Poorhouse in the city of Fullerton, 250 West Santa Fe Avenue, Unit 20. Come by, have a drink, stay for the whole thing, stay for, you know, 15 minutes. If you do enter the raffle, uh, on the raffle ticket, we'll ask you to put your name and a way to contact you, whether it be a phone number or a social media handle to where if you do win, we can contact you easily and work on a way to get you your prize. But please come by. It should be a lot of fun. Uh, looking forward to meeting a lot of people there and just come and have a good time and uh, raise money for the Tyler Skaggs Foundation. And again, and John, everything we raise there will be in uh, Johnny Mag's name and, and kind of make a, a, a hopefully a good portion of donation to the Tyler Skaggs Foundation for their summer programs and helping kids get to these, some of these baseball camps and uh, travel leagues and all that stuff. So definitely come and check it out. So that's going to wrap it up for this edition of the All Angels Podcast. No podcast Sunday, family wedding. Um, honestly, we'll probably get back late. Don't want to have to rush putting one together, but we will be back next Thursday, Chris and I, to review the Tampa Bay series and the Yankee series, the East Coast swing, if you will, before they come home before the All-Star break. So, um, again, no podcast Sunday, but we will be back at this time next week. Uh, for Mike Brown, thank you very much. Go ahead and tell the people where they can uh, follow you. Uh, yeah, you can follow me on Twitter at ChewingCast, usually tweeting about all things baseball, crazy things that are going on, just reacting stuff, and a lot of a lot of Angels stuff. So, yeah, give me a follow at ChewingCast. Awesome. Again, it's at Chewing Cast. And if you're listening to this podcast, we will put it in the description. Um, again, Mike, thank you very much for uh, jumping on. Uh, really always enjoy seeing your point of view or hearing your point of view. Always kind of get your point of view through text message, but it's always good when you can elaborate a little bit more when you're talking about it, which is fun. So yeah. I, I really appreciate it. Oh, and then one more thing, too. Before I let you go, Chris had a had a question here. I want to make sure he gets to it. It says, when is Mike coming down to Anaheim for a game? Yeah, so I'm actually going to be in town when the Halos are in uh, Seattle, uh, July 10th. So I'm going to miss them by, yeah, a few days. But, um, yeah, hopefully, uh, before again, before the end of the season. Um, if not, I'll probably be going up to Seattle for the last game of the series in, like, early October, I think, is the Angels close up yeah. uh, close up the year in, in, in Seattle. So I'll probably go up there for that. But hopefully soon. It's been a while. So. Yeah. 
So um, again, Mike, thank you very much for jumping on the podcast. Really appreciate it. Thank you everyone for listening. Please subscribe, rate, review, check out our YouTube page. We've got interviews there. Um, And then until next time, I am Down Garcia, and this has been another edition of the All Angels Podcast. This is it. We've got an Amex Platinum Pro on our hands, ladies and gentlemen. We haven't seen anyone relax like this before in the Centurion Lounge. Is he connecting to complimentary Wi-Fi? Oh, my. Look at that. He is. And you will not believe where he's going next. The Amex dedicated card member entrance for the win. Unbelievable. When you get travel perks with Amex Platinum, you're part of the action. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. I want to tell you a story. It's a story about a scandal, broken relationships, gossip, rumors, money, corporate rivalry, and a broom. A performance-enhancing broom. My name is John Cullen. I'm a comedian, podcaster, and for 20 years, I was a semi-professional curler. And I want to tell you the story about how a single broom almost imploded the 500-year-old sport of curling. We felt like we were bringing a knife to a gunfight. It's the story of a superstar and his fall from grace. I was being dragged through the mud. It's the story of two brother entrepreneurs with a dream. I said, that's great news. It's a story of intrigue. I still don't understand why we want to keep his name secret. The full story has never been told, so I'm going to tell it. Broomgate, how a broom almost killed curling. It was a year I'd like to forget. To listen to Broomgate, search for Broomgate in your favorite podcast app. That's all one word, Broomgate. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com match. Just go to Indeed.com match right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash match. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app today to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. Welcome to Fail Better, David Duchovny's new podcast with Lemonada Media. On Fail Better, David, who has experienced both low- and high-profile failures throughout his life, explores the vast world of failure, how it holds us back, propels us forward, and ultimately shapes our lives. Each week, he'll chat with guests like Ben Stiller, Bette Midler, and more about how our perceived failures have actually been our biggest catalysts for growth, revelation, and even healing. 
Through these conversations, he hopes listeners can learn how to embrace the opportunity of failure and fail better together. Fail Better is out now wherever you get your podcasts. What makes a life a good one? Is it the adventure you have? Or the friends you find along the way? Maybe it's pursuing your passion while striving to protect, defend, and save what you believe in every single day. So, what makes a life a good one? In the Coast Guard, we think it's all of the above and more. But you'll have to find out for yourself. Visit GoCoastGuard.com to learn more. Look around. You can find cars like these on AutoTrader. New cars, used cars, electric cars, maybe even flying cars. Okay, no flying cars, but as soon as they get invented, they'll be on AutoTrader. Just you wait. AutoTrader.